0: He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. So for anybody out there listening, and I know this is going to sound cheesy, but I'm telling you right now, if if I can do this and I can create something that I'm passionate about, anybody can do it. You just have to find what you really, really love. And I've been fortunate enough that I've had multiple different kinds of careers and I've loved every single one of it, even when it's been the works and I'm not making a dollar. I'm still having so much fun. And I think that's what's so important. I don't think people understand that you really have to listen to your heart and go after what your heart is telling you to do. And all the other outside noise, like your parents telling you you can't do it, your teacher's telling you that you're stupid, that you're never going to amount to anything because you smoke pot or whatever it is. You need to clear all that out and then just be real with yourself and figure yourself out and be like, okay, here's my strengths. Here's my weaknesses. This is what I love. This is how I want my life to be in X years and X many years and then just go for it.
1: You're listening to Slick Talk, The Hospitality Podcast, a podcast for those who are in and around the hospitality industry who love, live, and breathe what they do. You can join us for candid and unscripted conversations with hospitality experts and founders as we go deeper into their personal stories while they're sharing their triumphs and trials that got them to where they are today. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and you're listening to an episode of Slick Talk, The Hospitality Podcast. Now, let's begin. What's up, Slick Talkers? In this episode, we got real. And my guest today, John Hillebrand, joins me because I just, like I say in the beginning of the episode, I just saw this guy randomly pop up on my feed, and I was genuinely curious because he started just making a lot of similar connections, like all of the people that we talked to, connections that we had just kept popping up. And so I wanted to dive into his story And John shares a lot about his struggles coming up as a child, going through school, being told that he was stupid by teachers and just struggling with being where he was. And so hearing his story and how he overcame this to then now hearing about what he's doing with his ambassador work at Airbnb, how he is making an impact with his vacation rental homes, how he's helping his city with regulations and fighting the good fight to be a voice for the industry. It was super encouraging. It was super refreshing. And again, one of the highlights of why I love doing this podcast. So go ahead and check it out. I hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you all again next week. This episode is brought to you by my friends at Journey. If you haven't heard of Journey, then you need to go check them out at J-U-R-N-Y.com. That's j-ur-n-y.com. Because I know if you are growing your property portfolio, like a lot of us in the space are, then hardware is really hard to come by. Let's be honest. Hardware shortages are still happening throughout Amazon and Yale, August, all these types of brands. So get with Journey, do a demo, sign up, become a user of their platform, and they will give you up to 10 free smart locks. So if you're growing your portfolio, or you maybe are into multifamily, maybe you're into boutique hotels, whatever that might be, check them out because if you can get your hands on 10 free smart locks, then what better deal could you ask for? So go ahead and let them know that Slick Talk or Will Slickers or Hospitality.fm had sent you and you can get up to 10 free smart locks. I hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll talk to you again very soon all right everybody welcome back to another episode of slick talk the hospitality podcast and as you can see me and john are rocking out as the intro music plays uh but i'm excited to welcome john hildebrand as my guest today Uh, we're going to dive into a lot of your stuff but john i just want to say thank you for joining the show and uh how are you doing today i love talking anything
0: short-term rentals with people and we chatted a little bit before and i'm excited super honored
1: to talk with you and uh yeah tell my story dude you have been one like i would say there's been a couple people through my time of being in the industry that like popped out out of nowhere basically for me and you're one of them i, I just saw it one day on uh i think it was linkedin it's when i first saw your face and your name pop up in my feed and then instagram and then just started seeing you everywhere uh yeah. and so i'm like i'm curious more or less like where did you come from like what <laughs> Well, like this guy just pops out of nowhere, Airbnb ambassador, you have your own vacation rentals, uh, owned and managed. So like, tell us, where's your journey really begin for you getting into this space? That's so funny, man. I I love that. Well, I
0: guess I'm doing something right. If I popped out of yeah. nowhere and all of a sudden getting discovered. So I appreciate that part. I, I kind of feel like I have come out of nowhere as a, a, a newbie, right? Been Airbnb since early 2016. I was living in Malibu at the time. I was a traveling photographer, or should I say I was a starving artist trying to make ends meet. And I had a beautiful house and I barely could pay the rent. So a friend of mine was like, hey, why don't you check out Airbnb? I know you don't want a roommate. And honestly, at first I was like, dude, you're tripping. This is the weirdest company. There's no way this is going to work. Who wants to rent a room in someone's house? Like, This is creepy. Obviously I did it and it paid all my bills, my mortgage, everything. And I was like, that's kind of cool. But I never really thought of Airbnb as a business. It was just strictly how do I get my rent covered? That was it. And that's kind of how my journey started with short-term rental. Um, But we moved a ton of times as kids growing up. So real estate was always kind of in my my back pocket and just kind of learning as we moved. But the last two years, yeah, I would probably say the last two years, I've been super aggressive in the short-term rental space. Um, with all the policy changes in Arizona, I became a super strong advocate. So I kind of had to put my face out more to help clean up the industry in my local town. Um, And then I became, which I'm sure we'll talk about kind of rambling, but, and then I became an Airbnb ambassador, which definitely led me to promoting myself a lot more and, and promoting Airbnb and promoting how to become a good host and now it's kind of just been like this weird mission where I love everything I'm doing and I want to be able to educate people to improve the overall uh, look and feel of, of
1: what people think of Airbnb is. For sure. Yeah. Cause I think we've all seen it and you know, we've talked about many times on the show through other guests is that Airbnb has been a great platform, but it also hasn't built the best reputation for its name, at least on the hosting side. So. My curiosity coming into this you know, interview with you was you know, being an Airbnb ambassador, but then also being on the regulatory side where you're becoming an ambassador for your city or town or professionalism. Um, how have you kind of balanced the two? Because I even saw your uh, YouTube video today, uh, you know, Airbnb blocked your account. I was like, whoa, how an ambassador got his account blocked? Like, that's uh, that's interesting. So, like, I don't know. walk me through that fine line of being an ambassador, but then you know, also pushing for proper, like professionalism on the, on the space. Oh man. That's a, we're jumping uh, right into it, John. Yeah. We're (laughs) jumping into it. So I'm always
0: a half full kind of guy, right? I don't really like talking about the negative. I don't like harping on the negative. It happens big companies, big industries. There's always negative sides to it, but it's a double-edged sword. And we need the platforms right to survive. Airbnb has been nothing but absolutely amazing to me. So I never wanted it to come off like this negative piece. Um, And to be honest, I hear about people's accounts getting suspended, but I was that guy. I was like, there's no way, they must be doing something wrong. They must be setting it up wrong. There's no way it's gonna happen to me. Then when I became an ambassador, I was like, okay, cool. Maybe I'll have more education, more learning on the program. Uh, which I was, and I was getting more and more connected in the Airbnb space with all different types of people that worked at Airbnb. So, so when my account got suspended, I laughed because I was like, "Oh, damn, this is real." If and not to be like, "Oh, check me out, I'm an ambassador." Yeah, I got suspended. I was like, "Oh my gosh, wait, I do so much with Airbnb, and I got suspended." Okay, everybody could get suspended. Like, it was a massive wake-up call for me. And, and to, to be totally honest, nobody in my departments of Airbnb and connections could help me. There was nothing nobody could do. Nobody knew why I was suspended. They couldn't even remotely tell me why. It was just the very, what I learned in the long run is that there's a massive disconnect between customer service and Airbnb airbnb customer service really does not talk to anybody else at airbnb and anybody at airbnb can't talk to customer service it's like the weirdest i don't know who set that part up but it's really yeah. weird
1: <laughs> no, that's yeah. very weird that's very weird oh and you know yeah i i'm i'm like you i would rather focus on the positive as well but just to even become an airbnb ambassador uh for all the listeners i'm i'm curious genuinely so i'm sure everyone listening is too but How's that process even happened? Like you, I know we'll cover like on how you got into the industry and into the space more through your your vacation rental property in Maui. But um, I'm genuinely like, did you reach out to them? Did they reach out to you? What was that relationship spark?
0: Honestly, it's such such an amazing story. And I still pinch myself all the time that the way that things connected, that happened. And I really don't want to say this the wrong way or take it out of context. But for me, COVID was kind of like a blessing. It was kind of like a wake up call for me. I I sold my other company. I pretty much sold everything I owned and moved to Arizona uh, just to be closer with family. I bought a house that I was gonna live in and fix up and I was gonna rent it part-time and I was going to travel and just like not work as much for like a year, right? and I was gonna Airbnb it. Well, I put it on Airbnb and it absolutely took off. But then like two or three months into the process, um, this is where the story to me just gets insane. About two or three months into the process, the place was so busy and I put everything into this place. Like we gutted it down to the two by fours and just had an amazing team help me put it together. And all of a sudden I get this email, which I thought was spam, that came from Airbnb. It's like, hey, we're looking to work with a couple of great hosts on adding you to the plus side of Airbnb. And I was like, oh my God, this was my ultimate dream. I wanted to be a part of the plus program so bad because to me, it was just kind of like a status symbol. And it was a way for me to explode my career way faster because the competition at Scossa was so
1: aggressive
0: and people's places were so amazing. I'm like, how am I going to stand out? I'm like, this is nuts.
1: Scottsdale is a, is a very, very cool city for short-term rentals. Like, there's some really awesome properties. And I'm sure I've been watching, again, like your Instagram stuff, like great properties that you even just signed recently. Like beautiful, yeah. beautiful locations. So, like, yeah, I, I love Scottsdale's uh, short-term rental scene.
0: Yeah, it's a – look, Scottsdale's been on the map for years about, about that. And I, I'll talk about that in a little bit. So don't get mm-hmm. too sidetracked, but it's, a it's, there's good and bad, you know, it's a little yeah. bit oversaturated now there's everybody and your mother's coming out here and starting a business. It's, it's getting a little kind of crazy to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you, I got the email. I was like, Oh, this must be junk. And I didn't really pay attention to it. And then I got another one. I was like, Oh man, maybe this isn't junk. So I replied and, um, We started talking and they're like, hey, we need to send somebody from Airbnb to your place and do the walkthrough. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to learn so much from this person at Airbnb. I'm like, this is my chance to like get in the back door. This designer came with the plus program. We sat down and talked and she was there for like three hours. And she's like, I don't really think you need to change anything. Like you pretty much nailed it. I was like, wait, really? She's like, yeah, a couple little things like this, like female products in the bathroom and that kind of stuff. I'm like, Okay, I can, I can do that. Maybe add some paint on the wall, change it up. And we started going through the the process and then boom, COVID hit. And then the lockdown and Airbnb, like literally wiped out the entire plus department. And I was like so close to getting done. I was devastated. I was like so bummed because I worked so hard to get there. And that my team at Airbnb plus was like some of the best people I've ever Been around and work with, and they all got fired. And I was like, Oh my God, I feel so bad for all these people. Long story short, one of the ladies there was like, Look, I think you should be aggressive. I think you should go after it. I'm going to introduce you to the photo team because you're a photographer. Why can't you just shoot this yourself? You already designed it good. And I was like, Okay. And I went down that hole. I was like, I can shoot it. I can finish out the rest. I will build out my last steps with the plus. And at first Airbnb was like, "Oh, I don't know." I'm like, "Trust me, I can shoot this. No problem." So they signed me up with the photo team. It was like the weirdest storm <laughs> that I got signed up with the photo team. Then I they had to educate me on how they wanted the photos to be like dialed in perfectly for plus. And then I just went all out. I just made sure it was absolutely perfect. And Airbnb photo team was like, "Oh my, these photos are amazing. Would you want to join the photo team all together?" I was like, "Dude, I'm so bored with the lockdown like yeah, let's do it. So I was the last home in Scottsdale to become the plus listing. And I think I was the last home of the entire program before it got shut down. And so I just barely squeezed in there. And and the reason why I was, yeah, I tell that story is because that's what led me into the back gate of Airbnb. Then I became a photographer just because I wanted to learn more. And I kept shooting all kinds of random stuff for Airbnb for the houses. And I just treated it like a way to get in the back door. It was never about the money because the money was really small. (laughs) I just wanted to learn, meet new hosts, and just get out there. And the photo team liked what I was doing. They saw that I was adding more homes and I was just being a voice. And then all of a sudden I get another email. Hey, this is, uh," I probably shouldn't say his name, somebody in the (laughs) Airbnb. Reaching out, we're starting this pilot program. It's called Ask a Superhost. We really have no idea if it's ever gonna pay any money. We don't know where it's going, but your name came at the top, like the top of the list to talk to. And I was like, whoa. I'm like, okay, might as well. I'm, I'm, I'm like in my house,
1: twiddling my thumbs. It was like the perfect storm to be honest. And was your, any of your properties getting bookings during this time? Or was this like the super early days when pretty much everything halted, even the drive to traffic, uh, you know, kind of halted a little bit.
0: It's so, it's so weird because like the lockdown forced me to learn everything I possibly could about Airbnb. I read every single book. I've read every podcast. I was like watching YouTube videos like a maniac. And I was just like, taking it all in. And I was just getting more and more and more excited. And I was joining a little groups. So I was like on Facebook and because I had nothing to do. So it just forced me to become an expert in every part that I could and parts that I didn't understand. I would just reach out to anybody that would pick up the phone or email or whatever. I was probably so annoying to some people, I'm sure, but I was like, whatever. And, uh, yeah, that kind of just like, I think made me take so much pride in my places when the lo- the lockdown or whatever happened arizona luckily was really really friendly with everything and people flocked here it was by far the busiest i've ever been in any of my airbnb experience i mean we i was 100 percent booked on all of my places in summertime which is 115 degrees out here and yeah we were slammed like and it wasn't like I was giving the places away. The rates were still great, uh, and it was still really good people. We had first responders. We had, you know, people that were traveling nurses or people that had been working on, you know, so hard that finally were getting the break because everything was locked down, and they would stay for like two weeks. It was probably some of the best guests ever, really. To be totally honest, it's oh, well, yeah, that... weird that there was such a negative thing going on
1: and then a positive at the same time. Well, hundred percent. And I've had this conversation with multiple friends and even just like people on the podcast, like for outside of the world effect of COVID, right? Like I think COVID was the worst, best thing that could happen to a lot of us. Um, at that time I just quit my day job as a hotel manager. So like, I was like, I want to go podcast full time. And my parents were like, okay, we don't know what you're doing, but as long as you can feed yourself, like go ahead. And, uh, i was like hell yeah and then COVID hit and i was like hey can i move in with you uh i like lost like i lost uh pretty much every guest i was ever gonna have on the show and uh, do all this stuff but uh knowing that it was gonna come back like my my mental capacity was sink or swim right like we're gonna sink or swim and i'm not gonna let this impact my 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 sink or swim mentality um eventually obviously as we know like things work out but um for you you know you kind of you previously mentioned that you sold your company before moving to Scottsdale. So what were you doing before and what was kind of like your exposure into entrepreneurship even before Airbnb? Cause I think we've all seen, like we even called them, I think we called them COVID preneurs. but a lot of the, uh, you know, short-term rental hosts become multi-entrepreneurial because of just hosting, right? Like they get experience, they gain their portfolio, they found, find a passion through some kind of outlet through short-term rentals and start another business. Maybe it's a cleaning company, maybe it's a tech company, maybe it's this this, or, you know, whatever. Um, so I'm kind of curious for you, like, what was your first exposure into entrepreneurship?
0: Good question, man. I like being on a good podcast with good questions. (laughs) Uh, I, I don't think I've ever had a nine to five. I'm actually pretty positive. I've never had like a quote unquote, real, real job. I think my, like, I've had a million little jobs. Like, dude, I worked at Taco Bell. I worked at a drive-through liquor store when I was 16. Somehow, Uh, which was like the most. It was like the most fun job ever. All my friends would show up. I'm like, "You're 21, right?" They're like, "Yep." I'm like, "Go!" I was like, (laughs) "Best job." And but I learned so much about business. I was like always bouncing around. But I was a little punk kid too. I would get fired. Because I wanted to go skateboard. They're like, well, yeah. you can you have to show up to work. I'm like, cool, fire me. I'll get a job down the street bagging groceries. Yeah. It didn't matter. Like I just
1: it was such a punk kid. Like <laughs> but I had like a million jobs and uh Well can I can I ask you based on on that statement alone? Like were were you good at school? Were you were you or were you the kid that was like, I'm here for social activity and everything else can can kick rocks?
0: Yeah, man, I was not, I was not Mr. School guy whatsoever. (laughs) Like I remember so vividly. So I have dyslexia, very, very bad dyslexia. When I was really young, it was beyond emotional, right? It was like Mm -hmm. so scary to admit it. People in class, when the teachers would call you out to read and you're like, I can't read this shit. It's a bunch of words on page. Like this is so overwhelming. And I just leave the classroom. And she's like, if you leave, you're, you're going to fail. I'm like, right on. I'm like, I'm not going to make it anyways. I have dyslexia. I'm, I'm not smart. I, I don't need school. And I had that attitude for so long. And, and I was in, we moved like 20 times as kids growing up, which forced me to like figure myself out more and more and just be closer with my family and my friends. And long story short, I was in high school and I was getting in, I moved from San Diego as a freshman to Texas. And I was like a full punk rock skater kid. And I moved straight into like the ultimate jock school in Texas. (laughs) And I was like a sore thumb. I got put in a small class because I was just being a pain in the butt. And I I wasn't getting educated. I was, you know, in the small class. So I came home one day and I was like, that's it. I'm done. I'm dropping out of school. I'm moving back to California. I'm going to get some random job. I'll figure it out. My mom's like, okay, cool. No problem. I was like, wow, that was easy. Sick. I'm done. I'm I'm out of here. I was like 10th grade. She's like, but let's just sit down and we'll go over the numbers and what this all looks like. And like halfway through the page, I love my mom. She's like, she's always helping me through school. And she's like, okay, this is how much you're going to make if you get a minimum wage job for the rest of your life. And oh, this is how much your car is, an apartment, this. I'm like, what are you talking about? You pay for my car. They're like, not if you graduate or leave school. I was like, Okay, what's my other option? I was like, (laughs) this is impossible. (laughs) So long story short, I found this school that was made for kids like me that had major learning disabilities or that were like artists and creative kids or got kicked out of school. And I found it. It was like an hour away from me. And I told my mom and dad, I was like, I want to go to this school. I'll drive every day. I don't care. That's a way for me to graduate. And when we first showed up, it was like all these kids with mohawks and tattoos and smoking out front. I'm like, this is so badass. I'm like, this school <laughs> is so fun. <laughs> and my mom was like, there's no way you're going here. Yeah. But we walked in and instantly everybody was cool. Everybody was nice. They The one thing that always stood out is they had a, a one hallway full of lockers and no locks. They didn't believe in locks. So they, nobody stole anything. It was like, Classrooms could never be bigger than eight kids in a classroom. And then that, that's, that's what just opened me up to be comfortable in my own skin. I was like, oh, wait, there's other people like me? That's cool. And then long story short, that's what led me to photography. The teacher there was like, hey, I know you don't like school. I know you wanna graduate. Um, why don't you pick up a camera? So I picked. And he, he picked up a camera. He started teaching me photography. He's like, you can make a job out of this. I'm like, what? I don't have to learn how to read and write and all this crap. And he's like, nah, dude, be an artist. And then by that, I was like full speed ahead and started taking pictures, did the dark room. And I just went all in. And he, I ended up graduating a couple months early, uh, actually got a diploma, which was like not even close to what I was ever thinking about doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and my parents were super, super supportive. Otherwise,
1: God knows what would have happened. I don't even know. This episode is also brought to you by my friends at Safely. If you haven't heard of Safely, then you need to go check them out because Safely is such a good product and I must have for any short-term rental operator from host level down to being a big property manager. So I know we have lots of issues when it comes to parties or potential damage that comes into having guests and strangers stay in your home, but you can actually use Safely as a big Barrier between your money inside your pocket to then the money that a guest would have to pay. So, the reason why I love Safely is because whether you get makeup or stains on perfectly clean and white linen, yes, that does happen. When an asset owner is coming to you to protect and manage their asset, there needs to be a big wall of trust. And honestly, it's very hard to get someone to trust you with that type of investment right out the gate but i've been able to personally use safely as a anchor so to speak for trust because showing them that we not only protect their home by vetting guests by implementing smart tech and noise devices into the unit we also make sure that we are protecting ourselves the guests and the homeowner through safely so go ahead check them out let them know that will slicker sent you from slick talk and they'll make sure you are in great hands from there on now back to the episode well, I'm kind of curious because i I love stories like this, right? Like I know this is gonna tie into your your style of short term renting, uh, like rental hosting and all this other stuff. But like you said earlier on, just saying like it, it you went down this route to like kind of discover yourself. And going through that, like I struggled with massive amounts of depression as a kid. Like just class clown, like I could put on a face, but home, I didn't feel relatable. I had a you know brother with um, Down syndrome, so like like mm. just, Never felt connected to people, even though me and him are still really close. Like it just was so different growing up, and I hated school. I always had a hard time sitting down and focusing. Like, and I never, no one exposed to me that entrepreneurship or like owning a business was even a possibility. Like, I just like would drive down like through Seattle or whatever and look at all these tall buildings. And, like that was just like there. Like you know, like that was just yeah. there one time. I never thought that like someone created this brand, this business or whatever. I just like that's it's there. It just exists. Um, so, and so, but like for, for you, like, what were some ways that you really had to like hone into like, okay, yes, I, I struggle with dyslexia, but like, did you have anything that you did outside of like even photography too, just like to really, cause I, I believe this personally ties into how you've formed your business now, like how you got gotten to this place, right? Like yeah. there's something inside of you that triggered, whether it was as a kid or through that, that school, um that really kind of pushed you to become who you are. So is there any particular moment or like thing that you did that really triggered that? I'm going to that school. It was, I can't even remember
0: the name of the school. I think it's called like Bendy Nokes High School in Texas or something like that. But honestly, that really changed everything for me because I never saw those type of kids before. I thought I was just the only one that was like stupid. That's all I ever heard. My teachers would flat out tell me you are stupid. You're not going to make it. I'm like, isn't the whole point of coming to school is get like encouragement to do things? And like, it just didn't make sense to me. And the only people that were ever supported me were my parents. Like I got kicked out of school one time for a week because I had a skateboard shirt on that said, shove it. And my mom was like, you're kicking the kid out of school for wearing a t-shirt? How does this make any sense? Yeah, And I just couldn't. It was so hard for me to grasp that attitude, and it just that. So that school was all about it. No matter what I said or what I was concerned about, the school encouraged it. They would like sit you down, even if it was right or wrong. They would still go through the steps and the scenarios. Yeah. Be like, okay, I see where you're coming from, John, but in the real world, this is not how it works. You you have to communicate. You you got to do this. You got to be able to do that. There is other people like you. And then they set me down and were like, look at all these amazing people. What do you find in common about some of these people? And they were like, I don't even know off the top of my head anymore. That's how uh, long ago it was, but it was like speed jobs, like all these crazy people doing like over the top things. And they're like, what do they all have in common? I'm like, I don't know, they're super successful. They're like, no, they all have dyslexia. And I'm like, what? that's impossible. Look how successful and awesome these people are. They're like, they all have dyslexia. Don't let this change your whole life. This should be who you are. You should be proud of this. This is going to make you creative. This is going to make you successful. You need to embrace it. And then ever since then, I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. I'm down. And then I just didn't care at that point. I did yeah. not care. People are like, oh, you can't write. I'm like, cool. Right on. I'm like, you either like me or you don't like me. But if you hate me because I can't write or spell or whatever, then there's no way I could ever be friends with you, anyways. Like this yeah. doesn't make sense to me. Everybody's different. <laughs> it's all good,
1: dude. That's so and crazy. That
0: led me to 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 have that attitude, or like, it's all like it, I love everybody, obviously, but it's all about me. I have to make things work for myself in order to make everything else work. People will help 100%. you along the way, but it's it's about you. Nobody's gonna hand you a spoon. Well, maybe it's some people, but yeah. you got to work for what you want. <laughs> you know, if you want something, you'll figure it out basically. 100%. Well,
1: it's crazy to hear just that what a difference positive reinforcement would do to someone. Like I, I want to call her out on, I haven't said her name in who knows how long, but Katie deal, my uh, sixth grade teacher always told me I was dumb too. And uh, you know, like that, that shit sucks. Like going, especially dumb. going into high school. Um, so like, just to hear that you had somebody come in and be like, look, you're awesome. And these are people that are awesome, just like you and like that positive reinforcement. So it just, I think it's so underestimated when it comes, it's not like we always, I don't think humans in general need to always be praised or always be, you know, told that we're great. Cause like, you know, sometimes like, look, we make bad decisions. We make dumb choices. Uh, we don't think things clearly like obviously there's that, but, um, that, that just, I think being shown what is possible, it is so underestimated, especially in that young of an age. So that's really cool to hear, because I think like 100% like this stuff all applies to leading up to your hosting journey and to, to where you are today. So um, yeah. thank you for sharing that. Like seriously, super, super inspiring. Um, I, I'm kind of, you know, I'm very passionate about audio. I'm very passionate about podcasting. Um, so being, now getting for you into um, being an Airbnb ambassador, and getting to also be involved on the regulatory side of things for your, for your destination, right? Like being, you said earlier, being a voice, like you get to be a voice. What does that mean to you as an ambassador and just even a, an operator daily? Um, and then also, where do you think the industry can come together to be a louder voice when it comes to regulations and professionalism from the short-term rentals in general?
0: Yeah, I I love, I love talking about this stuff, honestly. And I could talk about this kind of stuff for hours and hours and hours. And I do all the time. I I sit on a couple of different boards and I work with Airbnb, but to to kind of elaborate on the policy and being a voice and just being a good host, which is being a good person and a neighbor. It's really that simple to be honest. I think there's just a lot of people coming into the business with it, with the wrong mindset. In the attitude of like, I'm gonna get rich quick and then I'm out. Um, and it's sad, but it's like that with every single business there is, there's always gonna be like somebody trying to cheap the system or just make a quick buck and get out of there. And I think it's our job and our duty to help clean up that system and let people know that they're not really wanted in our business to do that. Because this is a lot of people's livelihood. Uh, I have no idea where I would be if, I wasn't doing this, so the only way to protect that was to stand up. And and a company called Rent Responsibly. If you haven't heard of them, you should one hundred percent check them out. They're like the best people on the planet for how much work they do for advocacy work is mind blowing. But yeah. they reached out to me. The one of the founders, David.
1: Shout out, David. I love this guy. He We'd reached love- out to me. He's the best. I'd love right? David. Yeah, he's yeah. David, Dana, Alexa. Everybody there is amazing. Everyone. So. Yeah, Shout everyone. out to Rent Responsibly. Definitely not singling out just David, the whole team up yeah, there. The whole team, yeah. Yeah, but yeah they,
0: re- they reached out and they're like, hey man, Arizona's under attack. Would you wanna help? And I was like, look man, there's a couple things I'm scared of more than anything in the entire world. It's public speaking and talking about government policy and that kind of stuff. I'm not the right guy. And David would not let me say no. He's like, well, why don't you just like join some talks with us? We'll educate you. We'll teach you how to talk. We'll teach you this. And I'm like, dude, I can't do it. Like, I can't do it. He's like, no, 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 you got it. It's fine. I've seen you. And he just like, help me understand how important it was. And if I didn't do it, there might not be somebody else that would do it. And I'm like, I only have like two listings. Like, what about the people that have like 500 listings? Like, why don't they speak up? He's like, some of them do, some of them don't, but every voice matters. And I was like, okay. And, and that's, that's kind of like what led me into, you know, being a good neighbor and building out these good policy uh, best practices and um, which led me to step up my game and and be a better host and find out why people were hating on us so much. Because it was like, one of those things that you would show up and you'd be like at a party or a club or like a restaurant or like a business network, and they're like, "Oh, what do you do?" You're like, "I do short term rentals." They're like, "Oh, that's cool." You're like, Phew. or you'd be like, "I do short term rentals." Like, "Oh, I hate you! I hate Airbnb. You guys are the devils." I'm like, "Yeah, I didn't say I'm sell drugs or anything." Like,
1: what? Did yeah, I- yeah. <laughs> That's well, that's that's usually one or the other, right? Like especially when I talk to my hotel friends, they're like, "Oh, you have a short term rental company? You, you're the worst!" Like <laughs> we, we like ah oh, well, thanks for that. But <laughs> uh, but you said you learned a lot on the way. So like you know I I'm curious from you know from being the two listings to how to the amount of listings that you have now. What were some things like you said? You've said a couple of times even on the episode. You know being a good neighbor. So like I think that's like the most underestimated thing when people get into short term renting is like hey, I'm going to put up this property. I'm going to make money. It's going to be passive income. Then they find out it's not passive income. It's really a lot of work. And, uh, and then they realize that like the thing, the same thing that happened at short-term rentals are what happened at hotel rooms. It's just in a bigger space now, parties, unwanted guests, such as, you know, maybe drug traffic or even sex trafficking, uh, all sorts of other stuff. So, or some things along the way that you were like, I need to either implement a better practice or a better tool? Yeah, great great question again. So
0: two things about that. I think it's a d- two sides of the story, right? And I'll talk about the um, what I like to call is the people that don't know, like the neighbors that hate you or the, the organizations that hate short-term rentals and whatnot. Unfortunately, a lot of them just see the 1% of the news And just assume that every host is going to be the devil and every house is going to be this giant party and they're going to ruin the industry and the neighborhood and all that stuff, which sadly is not true. 99.9% of the time, most of the time it's a legit person trying to host and make a, a living and, you know, enjoy the house themselves sometimes. So one of the biggest things was trying to better understand that side. I'm a pretty open-minded person and I had, I have no problem if they want to talk to me and it's so funny that they, and there's these sides and, but there really is like a split. And I've had many me- meetings in person with the opposing side and tried to come up with re reasonable and regulations together because there's no way nothing's going to change if we both can't come to an agreement. And, once we sat down for an hour, we, you know, we both put up our own, our own guards for a little bit. And then we both realized that like a lot of the things that we're complaining about, we're on the same common ground. And that was a huge breakthrough for me because I was like, okay, I understand their frustration. I really do. And I feel really bad for people that have to live next door to a hell house. But let me help you educate the host maybe. Maybe let me help you shut the house down. Let me help you show you what laws are already in place that this person could be in trouble. Like, let's work together. There's no point for us to split the sides apart because there's so much that you want that we want as well. And I think that in Arizona made a huge difference finally because we were able to take a step back and realize, okay, for us to save the industry, we're going to have to bend a little. We're going to have to give a little, and then we're going to have to clean up our side on our end as well. We're going to have to police ourselves. So I think that was like one big side of it. And then of course, the other side is host. Unfortunately, you can't get mad at every single host. They're starting a new business. There's no college. There's no high school. There's no exam. And I might get hate on this, but I've been talking with a bunch of other hosts about this. I almost feel like hosts need to go through a certification, like a real estate license or something at this, at this point, the industry is really big. There's a lot of people that join the industry and I get it all the time because they ask me, they're like, Hey, am I supposed to have a permit? Or am I like, how do I protect myself on the house? How, how do I screen my guests? How do, and they just don't know. So you can't like, you can't fault these people for not knowing. They just There's nowhere for them to know. So like our stuff, like our groups are trying to help educate these new hosts. Like, hey, this is how you get a permit. This is how you should do it. Here's all the laws. We're going to do a webinar on the law. The latest update of the laws. Like it's our responsibility as host, good host to come together and teach all these other hosts that are going to manage their own house or their own property. Or maybe one day they want to do like four or five but yeah, there's just the it's just growing really, really fast. And we can't blame either side. It's just the whole entire thing needs to just have more education and resources to abide by the laws, I guess, or however you want
1: to say that part. Yeah. And my thing is I I don't think it's actually sides. And I think Dana from Rent Response we can actually word this a lot better than I can, but a lot of the time it's not that it's the host against the neighbors or the host against the city or whatever. It's the host and the city against the bad apples that come in and become that 1%. Like, granted, can we control everything that happens? No. But can we at least pick up on red flags? Like we know red flag reservations. Can we pick up red flag hosts? Can we pick up these things that, you know, obviously people have you know come in for the wrong intention. Um, I think, that's the biggest thing. And and it's sad to to hear even just, you know, when you're talking with David, like even some of the vacation rental management companies that have 500 listings or 500 properties don't speak up. And it's like, you know, this is your legacy. You, you've built up this portfolio, this company, this brand, and you don't want to protect it for the longer, <laughs> yeah. long, the longer yeah. term. And so yeah. I think it's, I, I wouldn't say like a revival, but I just definitely think there ne- there needs to be more of a spark for passionate people like you and and the rent responsibility team and like even theron lewis and like a bunch of other people i could think of that come in and are like educating the space Uh, my question to you coming out of this is more or less like i see a lot of courses be created right like hey join my mastermind or this like my online course for whatever i don't and I'll personally say, I don't think we need more courses and masterminds. I think we just, like you said, kind of more, a more industry standard, like, Hey, this is what you need to know when you get in. Like kind of a vacation rental one hundred and one. Um, yeah. what are your, what are your thoughts when it comes to this? Like, cause I've even seen you, like you have students and I know you got really good educational content on your YouTube channel. Um, and th- again, this is like all free stuff that I see you putting out. So, um, from the educational side, what do you think this really comes into play? And like, what's the right, you know, actual step for it? Man, I'm so glad you you said everything you just said, because <laughs> sometimes I,
0: um I get so excited as you can tell, I'm a super passionate person anyways, but I get so excited on these topics that sometimes I just go down like this fast rabbit hole and you just pointed out so many great things that I was like, <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. But what I think to, to, dissect that question a little bit. Like the education course is, is one part of it, but on that is cities are, and I'll get some hate on this for sure with certain cities, but cities, right. And I'll say like Scottsdale, for instance, there's like a, a nationwide, a state law that all these Airbnbs have to abide by. Right. And, and then there's cities that within that law have their kind of rules and regulations, right? But even as an educator and someone who sits on the board of policy has the hardest time to figure out where that information is and how you're supposed to learn about it. And every time you call the city, a different person answers the phone with different information. So they, the I think one of the biggest mistakes right now is the lack of communication between city officials and really good hosts. That are trying to, to clean up the industry and working together. Now I know politicians never want to work with anybody. You know they're always right, but a lot of them really do want to work with us, and we've been so fortunate to be able to sit down with a lot of them. That are like, we have five thousand bills this this month. Like, help us understand your bill. How can we clean it up? How can we fix this industry? And I think there's just such a big big disconnect, and you can't. Start finding people for laws that they have no idea that are even in place, and they can't even find them. So, I think that's one of the really big problems that we're trying to fix up in in our town. I think more people in different cities and township should, should do that. And then, yeah, the courses the courses are interesting, man. Because I see a lot of gurus that are charging people a fortune. Yeah. And it just, it kind of breaks my heart sometimes because some of those, and I don't want to, I'm not calling anybody out or anything like that because I think there's a lot of great ones, but some of them are doing it for the wrong reasons. You know, they're doing the education part to, to just make a ton of money and they're not really giving a strong value. Um, yeah. I've been a part of some of those. I learned a ton in some of them and some of them like halfway through, I'm like, what did I just pay for? Like, what is yeah. this? But there is something that I I personally work with this guy named Rob Bilt. He's awesome. He's got a course, and I speak on his course quite a bit because there's just insane amounts of value. So I do see the value in that. I feel with a course, if someone like me really wants to get in the business and there's no one to turn to, and I'm willing to pay money to help advance that and get real education, I feel like if I pay money, I'm going to work harder to figure it out. And if it's just, if I'm not paying, then maybe I'll just learn like I did where I just went through a bazillion learning curves and kind of figured it out on my own. And then as I was growing, started taking and reading books and stuff. But there is so much free information out there. I think there's a lot of misleading information as well. But like I said, if you're a brand new host, shameless plug, if you're a brand new host, Take advantage of the Ask a Superhost program because it's hundred percent free, and Airbnb really, really, really is trying to educate new hosts on best practices and you know at least get them started in the right direction from ground zero. And there's a bunch of really great superhosts that I'm fortunate enough to be around. So that's like one one way, and I see VRBO uh, also is doing a bunch of amazing stuff to try to educate post from the very beginning on best practices and whatnot. And I th- feel like that is gonna be really important. Um yeah, I know that was like
1: a long ended <laughs> answer to it. <laughs> no, you're good. I, I'm all about long winded answers. Um no I I don't know. I we've been yeah, not to like call people out, but like there's been so many I think great people, a lot of them within our podcast network, you know, do have masterminds and they do work with like well one-on-one people that have gone from zero to 50 properties in two or three months and they're implementing these best practices and stuff like that. So, like, shout out to those people that are dedicating that type of time. Um, but then, like you said, there are those that you could definitely see from their content the way they give themselves off. It's definitely a cash grab. And unfortunately that, um, is very deceiving and people buy into it and then they have a bad taste in their mouth or they maybe do get something from it. And, you know, Whatever. But um, you know, the the hardest part I think is how do we get everyone on the same page when it's so fragmented, right? Every house is so different, every destination is different. You know, like some places you like we have one property in uh Kissimmee, Florida, you need a you need a permit for it. We have another place in downtown Seattle, you need a permit, great. Different processes of getting those permits, but everywhere else that we have management properties in, no permits, no nothing. Like, yeah, don't need to be a real estate broker, you don't need to do this, you don't need to do that. So Um, again, like, where do you go to even figure out laws? Like, where do you go to figure out best practices? Where do you go to figure out the best tech, the best, you know, implementation of growth and, and, you know, hospitality in general, because you're not just, um, you're not just a host with a home. You're dealing with people and their vacations and making memories and all the other geeky stuff I get excited about. But, um, (laughs) yeah, it's, it's like, it's just one of those things that I'm constantly thinking about. With how fragmented we are, but it's um, so true, man. You're so you're so spot on. You're on to
0: something so beyond what's what's going on, right? It's because if you're brand new, it's like it's almost overwhelming. Also, because you're really trying to learn it all, and then yeah. you're like, well, where do I turn to? Who's real? Who's not real? um Obviously, you just got to listen to this podcast. Get some gems all the time. <laughs> but like, it's hard to 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 figure out who's real and who's not right and who who can smoke the mirrors i mean i'll I'll be totally honest i struggle with that all the time when i put out content yeah for even myself because i'm like man if somebody sees this for the first time are they going to be like who is this dork like yeah you know like does this person even know what he's talking about and it's so important to give out content like that that people can actually learn and, and it's beneficial and i i hope people can see through. A lot of those people that may have a hidden agenda, but there's some really great people out there that giving given out insane amounts of free content all the time. Um, just, I think you just got to do your research, like you said. I don't know how you clean it up. I don't know if there's like a real estate course. Eventually, yeah. does everybody who's a host have, I don't know. I don't know what that answer is, but I would love to start working with a group to to figure that out because it would be a fun challenge to try to
1: figure that out for sure. Well, I think Airbnb and and not to not in a negative way, but like I think Airbnb has a huge responsibility on their shoulders for the brand that they've built, for the reputation that they have, whether it's good or bad. That you know, this is something that needs to be also like I don't think this could be a one side does it and then the rest just kind of like okay, sure, go create a course, go create this, go do whatever. Uh, I think like companies like Verbo, Airbnb, you know, the tech providers, whether they're a property management software, pricing, insurance, you name it. Like, uh, and then the hosts, the bigger PMs that have been doing it for 20 years, the hosts that have been maybe gone from two to 10 properties. Like we all need to kind of come together and say, Hey, like, this is what we all agree on, on being standard quality, um, you know, professional all the way, but all the above. So it's it's going to take everybody I think but will we get yeah. to that point maybe that's a question for episode number 2 or part 2 of this uh, this one um you know we could always figure that out but totally Yeah it's just it's, it's just a, a very interesting question to even think about um you know what does it take so yeah it is man yeah I'd love I'd love to start figuring it out more
0: cuz it's complex for sure by no nope. yeah but I mean even when I was working with the policy was the first time where I saw a lot of people come together. And that was really, really awesome. And it's been really awesome. Like I get to work with the policy people at VRBO and Airbnb, and we all get to sit at the same table and talk. Like, That's cool. It's pretty awesome because they're obviously business rivals. But when yeah. it comes to this, we're all on the same page. And uh, that has been just absolutely amazing to be a part of and watch. And then to see people really trying to to help. And like come together and be like, "Hey, my neighbor is a bad host. Like we need to go and knock on the door and let it, and introduce ourselves and try to help them understand how bad this is hurting everybody. So I think there's some really strong positive
1: changes happening, at least around here. I love that. I love to hear it and because again, we can hear about all the bad things like on our morning yeah. show, like last week, we talked about Airbnb's new like cancellation policy, and we're kind of dogging on it. But like we could always, you know, go the negative route, but I think just to hear even that, like we can get Burbo and Airbnb to the same table together, like that's already a win, I think, right there in itself. Yeah. Um, yep. We just need to see uh, again, and the hardest part is like we're in this industry so much, like we're in the day-to-day that it you, we I think sometimes lose sight of the long game, right? Like this isn't something that's going to happen overnight. This may not be something that's going to happen within the next five or ten years, uh, but it needs to start and it needs to start somewhere and sometime. Yeah. So why not be now? Um, so yeah. Anyways, I can go on forever, but John, I uh, Me, I, I wanna <laughs> I was like, I want to respect your time and and everything you got going on. But um, just for like for the listeners out there, one of the fewer questions I always like to ask is like, what with everything you've gone through from entrepreneurship to you know getting through your dyslexia and like the negative mindset that was it you know pounded into you early on to now where you are today with, you know, just saying like, I'm going to learn as much as I can. I am going to do the best that I can, and I'm going to have fun doing it and, you know, be, be a part of the solution rather than the problem. What would you say out of everything good and bad? That is something you've been able to take away and that you think anyone listening could take away too. What's up slick talkers. I swear this is the last one that you're going to hear from this episode but I want to give a personal shout out to our friends at Hostfully. If you haven't heard of Hostfully, then you need to because they have such a great digital guidebook platform for any host or bigger operator. If you have a brand or want to create a brand, this is a place to go. So you have a lot of questions that come in through your, your either Airbnb, Burbo listing, any type of listing, booking direct, whatever it might be. Hostfully can actually help you curate content and best places to eat, best places to go, house rules, how to turn on the TV, how to make sure the AC is on, how to get to the lake, whatever it might be, they can help you curate this digital guidebook to give to your guests before they even think about asking their questions. So get those questions out of the way first by creating a great digital guidebook. Let them know that Will Slicker sent you use code SLICKTALK20 and you'll get three months free of their digital guidebook platform so go ahead check out my friends at hostfully and now back to the episode how much time you got we got as much time as you need you know what man i have
0: to first start off by saying that i'm just so 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 blessed and honored to be where i'm at today right and so many levels like Everybody has a story, everybody has a struggle, but I'm so happy that I am who I am because that was has helped me be, become successful. Never in a million years did I think I would be able to buy my own house, let alone buy three homes that I own. Never in a million years. If you would ask a young John as a 16 year old kid, there's no way. I'd be like, oh, skateboard, whatever. I just didn't <laughs> think it would ever be possible. So for, Anybody out there listening, and I know this is going to sound cheesy, but I'm telling you right now, if if I can do this and I can create something that I'm passionate about, anybody can do it. You just have to find what you really, really love. And I've been fortunate enough that I've had multiple different kinds of careers and I've loved every single one of it, even when it's been the worst and I'm not making a dollar. I'm still having so much fun. And I think that's what's so important I don't think people understand that you really have to listen to your heart and go after what your heart is telling you to do and all the other outside noise like your parents telling you you can't do it your teacher's telling you that you're stupid that you're never going to amount to anything because you smoke pot or whatever it is you need to clear all that out and then just be real with yourself and figure yourself out and be like, okay, here's my strengths. Here's my weaknesses. This is what I love. This is how I want my life to be in X years and X many years. And then just go for it and watch. I'm telling you right now, because I've seen it firsthand when I started writing things down of like, I want one house, I want two house, I want X amount of dollars. I want to be happy. I want more freedom. Once I started really mapping my life out, it just kept happening. And then all those people that would hate on me or say, what am I doing? I'm not going to be able to make it are now calling me like, hey, uh, so I'm trying to do this or that. Can I pick your brain, get some advice? I'm like, yeah, you can pay me for it. (laughs) But it's just like, it's just funny how all of a sudden things will change, right? You just have to, I know it sounds cheesy or whatever, but my dad is always, my dad is like the prime example right? He grew up dirt, 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 poor, poor, had nothing, got his way to college, started getting a job, didn't finish college, and then became the executive vice president of New York Life Insurance, which is pretty much the biggest insurance company in the United States with no degree. And he always would push us like, hey, I did what I loved and I knew where I was going. And if you are diehard of what you love, and you know the direction you wanna go, and you're a good person, and you're gonna keep pushing good um, vibes out and just work really, really hard, you can achieve whatever you want. And I think that's like always stuck with me that like no matter what, if you work really hard, I'll, I'll figure it out. Somehow I'll figure it out. And I've been insanely honored to like build trust with people to let me manage their house if it if I don't own it, or let somebody partner with me and we'll buy a house together, and I'll do everything and and just growing slow and just learning, don't forget, literally always learn. I'm always 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 learning and educating and listening to podcasts like this and just like I'm a sponge. So I know I kind of went off on a tangent a little bit, but I am passionate about about that, and I'm really passionate in person anyways, but I just think you got to go and do
1: what makes you happy. 100%. And yeah, yeah. and well, and you never know where that's going to be it. You know, some people think I need to be a firefighter. I need to be a police officer. I need to be a a pastor or, uh, this or that. And then all of a sudden you get stumbled into this thing called Airbnb or short-term rentals or hospitality or restaurant management or revenue management or retail e-commerce, like the, the, the amount of stuff uh, that you can fall into nowadays is pretty awesome. So thankfully we're in this generation where we don't have to just pick like a trade job and work it for 30 years and retire. We can actually like find something that we're actually really passionate about. So I seriously love everything you just said. Um, and then the last final question where we ask every guest, where can people find you if they want to reach out or connect or learn more about who you are, what you're should I just shut down all my channels? <laughs> you're like, all of them.
0: Yeah. you're like, well, you just popped up out of nowhere. Um, <laughs> and you did say it. You can pretty much find me everywhere at this point. Now, um, my Instagram, I'm really, really active on my Instagram. This is John Hildebrand. Sicky. Sicky is kind of my nickname. I'm on YouTube under Hilde Holmes. My website is Hilde um, You can see all my listings and, some advocacy stuff that I'm working on and, and whatnot. But yeah, I'm I am i am pretty open. I like I love reading the comments when people write comments of questions and stuff. So yeah, reach out. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on oh don't even get me started on TikTok. I don't I think I'm too old for TikTok. I can't figure it out for the life of me. <laughs> I, I
1: always tell people I'm a <laughs> Yeah, I always tell people with TikTok I'm a consumer, not a producer of content there. Um I'm trying to like repurpose my reels into yeah. TikTok, and it's just, it's really rough. So it's rough. Yeah. It's rough. Yeah. It's rough. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I, I want to say personally, thank you for jumping on the podcast and just being as open and vulnerable as you have been. And just for sharing your, your story, I think this is what I love to do. And, and so like, just to get some enjoyment out of this conversation, I think I, I think I get a lot more out of this than a lot of our listeners do sometimes, but, uh, at the end of the day, I, I just appreciate your your honesty and your openness. And uh, for everyone who's out there listening or watching this live stream or the replay, just know that you can check out everything in the show notes and connect with John uh, directly. If not, I'll be happy to make an introduction. Yep. But uh, until next week, we'll see you all again very soon. I'm <laughs> sorry.